0: Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Jill, and I'm the Manhattan Beach campus pastor here at the church. I'm so glad to be here with you this morning. Also, hello to everyone over at Torrent who we're connected with live now, as well as our online community. We're so glad that we're all together here for this last week in the series that we've been calling Simple Faith. And now we have been hearing stories from you about how this series is really challenging you at like a deep level. And so we're so happy to know that God is working in your lives. God is growing and changing you. So please always share those stories with us because we love to celebrate what God is doing in you. Uh, so as part of this series called Simple Faith, we have been looking at answering this question. What would it take for me to live a real Christian life? Uh, Now, sometimes when we begin to answer this question, uh, we look for the things that are measurable or proof that we are a Christian. So you might say, well, um, my daily reading streak in the Bible app is as high as it's ever been. Or uh, if you've noticed, I've not missed a single Sunday all year, I'm always here. Or I've joined another service team because I'm that good of a person? Or did you notice that I can sing every lyric to every worship song because I only listen to Christian music, right? So these measurable, provable things become the way we answer what Christian life is like. But what happens is these measurable add-ons can be lined up or perfect in our life and it doesn't mean anything about our connection with Jesus. So then how do you answer this question, right? Because really, the Christian faith and the Christian life is quite simple. It's not about what we do for God, but it's about what God has done for us and how we can lean and depend on God for every day of our lives. we're not the first believers to wonder this question right since the first century believers have been trying to figure out how do i have a simple and focused and defining faith we have so many letters in the new testament that are exactly trying to answer this and one of those is called galatians now galatians is a book of the bible that's written by a man named paul Now, Paul was one of Christianity's first missionaries, and he went to a town in the first century called Galatia, and he brought with him the good news that Jesus loves them and Jesus wants to change their life, and they accepted this message. They believed and had simple faith. But then what happened is that they began to complicate their faith by wondering if they needed to follow the Old Testament rituals and laws and Jewish customs and traditions, like eating kosher or having the men be circumcised. And and they were wondering, do these things really prove our faith? Do these things really earn favor with God? Is that what it's about? And Paul is encouraging them no, keep it simple. Stay focused on who Jesus is and what he has done for you. Now, if you uh, were with us a few months ago, we did a series called Lenses. And in that series, we learned the different purposes of the literary genres of scripture. And one of those was the letters, the Bible letters like Galatians. And we learned that they serve two purposes. The first is bringing clarity and and newness to um, something that you need to know. As a follower of Jesus, what do you need to know? So in this case, it's who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And then the second purpose of those uh, letters is to help the believers understand how that knowledge becomes something that they then do. How can knowing God change my behavior? And then specifically in chapter six of Galatians, Paul begins to focus on the believer's relationship to one another, Uh, Paul literally writes our main idea for today in the book of Galatians, and that's this. We can freely serve one another. Now, to freely serve means to give of yourself to someone else without expecting anything in return. Now we can freely serve one another because we have all that we need in Jesus, right? Uh, Before we get into the specific instructions that Paul gives to the Galatian church, I want to acknowledge this tension that we can feel between our needs and serving one another. Uh, Because as humans, we all inherently have needs. We need to be loved, we need to be known, we need to belong, and we need to feel purpose and meaning and like we're contributing to something. All of us have these needs inside of us. And so then as we go about life, trying to get these needs met, it can bring out insecurity, and it can bring up our faults. And it can expose our fear and it leads itself to these empty spaces inside of us. And so what happens is that we begin to look out at one another to understand how you can meet my needs, right? This transactional view of relationship really complicates things and getting in the way of our ability to serve one another. Because we come into relationships with the mindset of, what can you do for me? What do I gain by knowing you? How do you make me feel? Right, and Paul is saying, no, that's not the way you have to approach one another. Because the truth is, God gave you those needs, right, so that you would be drawn back to him. Only he can satisfy those needs in you. He knows every one of them, and he loves you still. So Paul is challenging them to find freedom by going to God, freedom by going to God, for what you need, right? When you're no longer seeking to get those needs met from other people, instead of going into relationships saying, what can you do for me, you come into those relationships saying, what can I do for you? I have all that I need in Jesus. So I'm here to help you. And until we can get good at this daily habit of filling ourselves with Jesus, we're going to be prone to self-centeredness. We're going to look out for ourselves. Uh, And that's because it's survival 101, right? You are born into this world knowing what you need and knowing how to get it. But as you grow, that self-centeredness, it has to evolve with you. Now, I see this happening every single day in my parenting. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about my children's self-centeredness evolving. I'm talking about my self-centeredness is being exposed and is having to evolve through my parenting. Let me give you one example. This story happens at bedtime. Right? And if you have children, you know that bedtime is a uniquely difficult time of day uh, because you're tired and you want, more than anything in the world, for these sweet children to go to bed. And what they want, more than anything in the world, is to not go to bed. And so this, this mixes and they meander and they daddle and you get frustrated and it's so hard, right? So my husband and I have worked so hard to have a routine so that everything is predictable and as long as everything goes according to plan, they're in bed at a decent hour and he and I get a little bit of time together. So on this particular night, I was in my girl's room and I noticed in the drawers there was only one pair of good jammies. Right? There was plenty of jammies, but there was one pair that both of my girls were going to want. And I realized this night just got so much harder. <laughs> and I was tired, I didn't want to do that, I wanted some me time, right? So in my quick thinking, when my firstborn came in the room, I was like, quick, get over here, put on these jammies. Because then your sister may not even realize and we won't have to deal with it. So she books it my direction, and my sweet husband from the other room says, Or, honey, you could decide to let your sister have those jammies. (sighs) That's better parenting. Right? That's what I should have said. If I wasn't so focused on what I wanted and getting my needs met, I could have better served my child in that situation and taught her sacrificial love, taught her looking out for the needs of others. But I didn't. I modeled selfishness. And my only consolation is that all of you guys are selfish too. Yeah. But it's okay because the Galatians were also selfish, right? We know this because Paul writes this to them. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Paul is saying, don't be puffed up. Don't think so highly of yourself. Don't pick fights with people. Don't compare yourself to one another, right? We're all so prone to do that, but it keeps us focused on ourselves. And so instead, Paul is challenging them to have a spirit of humility. Right In the first week of this series, Pastor Jason said a quote that I've really been thinking about, and it's that humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Right, So that's the first thing we need to do if we want to freely serve one another, and that's this, stay humbly available for those who need us. Now a lot of times we can become so preoccupied by ourselves that we're not even aware of what other people are going through. So the first thing that you can do is be more aware. Look out, see what those around you might need and how you might be able to help them. So Paul gives us a couple of specific ways that we can do this well. Here's the first. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path, and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. So here, Paul is saying that we we can serve one another by helping each other follow Jesus better. But if we're not careful, we can fall into the same legalism and behavior control that these early religious leaders were putting on top of the Galatians, the Galatian church. And so let's work to really understand what Paul is saying here so we can understand what's actually helpful to one another if we're in this situation. Uh, So first, I want to make sure that you see when Paul says, you who are godly, it's not implying that there are believers who are not godly, right? He's not separating the people in the church of those who have it figured out and those who don't have it figured out right you who are godly he means if you're following jesus with your life and if you're filled with the spirit you should be on the lookout for the other believers in your life that are making a mess of things that are struggling to follow jesus that are stuck in a bad habit or a self-destructive behavior, if they are living a life that is overcome with what Paul calls sin, which is anything that separates you from God, right? The helpful thing you can do is come alongside them and help them get back on track, right? And so, let's talk about what is actually helpful in this process. So when I was studying this section and looking at what this word help means, it actually means to mend or to restore, or to bring back to a previous version of what it was. So when you're helping someone, it's careful, and it's intentional, and it keeps the integrity of the person you're trying to restore. It's not an over-focus on what is wrong with them. It's helping remind them you are loved, Christ is working in you. God wants better for you, right? It's not helpful to shame and shun them in the right direction, or to ridicule them into better behavior. That's not what Paul is saying to do. He's saying come alongside them gently and humbly, right? Gently, this is one of the list of the fruits of the Spirit that we read about in Galatians chapter five. So if Paul is saying, you fill yourself with the Spirit, and then you you demonstrate what God is doing by giving that out to others, you can ask yourself in these kinds of situations, am I being loving? Am I bringing peace? Do I have self-control as I'm coming alongside a brother or sister who is struggling to follow Jesus? And Paul offers this warning. Be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself, right? Oftentimes when we see other people in sin, we might think, I've got it better together than they do, right? And so Paul is saying, even though right now in this situation, it may be someone else who's struggling, it could be you tomorrow. So don't lose sight that you also have things in your life that God is working out, Right? And as God is working those things out, we can serve one another by helping each other get better at following Jesus. Another one that Paul mentions is that we can come alongside and support one another when life gets really difficult. Here's the next thing he says in verse two and three. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you are, not only, or you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important, right? When you read these words, you are not that important, Paul is not trying to make them feel bad about themselves, right, he's not punching at them or taking a dig. What Paul's trying to do in this sentence, that you are not that important, is he's trying to give them freedom, He's saying, you are not that important that you have to act like you have it figured out all the time. You're not so important that you have to prove you're better than everyone. You're not so important that you should turn your nose up at people who are going through something hard. Thank goodness. Right? We have nothing to prove because Jesus has given us all that we need. And Paul is trying to remind them of that and the importance of serving one another. Paul even writes it like this, back in 2 and 3. He calls it the law of Christ. He says the law of Christ is sharing one another's burdens. So when you read the book of Galatians, Paul says, if you want to overfocus on any particular law, if that feels good to you, focus on this one. Make your focus serving one another. Make your focus coming alongside one another and sharing in the difficulty of life. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read a sentence like share each other's burdens, my first impulse is to consider myself the person that's helping someone else. Right? But how often do the vain and conceited tendencies that we have keep us from sharing that we have a burden? We don't want to be a burden haver, so instead we struggle under the weight of that difficulty or that mental health issue or that secret sin sometimes because it's so intimidating to think I've got to admit that I'm a burden haver. But on the opposite side of bringing that out and sharing that burden is freedom. It's the freedom that God wants to bring into your life by easing some of that burden. First, by providing for your every need, and second, by surrounding you with people that can help you to carry that burden. Here's the last way that we can stay focused on serving one another. It says, pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Right, now Paul again is saying, don't compare yourselves to others. As long as you feel the need to be better than other people, that makes you in the position of putting others in a worse place than you, right? And so, Paul is saying, God has given you responsibility. And if you just do the best that you can at what you have been given to do, that can bring real satisfaction. You don't have to look around to say, do I have significance? Do I have meaning? Am I good, right? Because God is telling you, yes, to all of those things. So the good news is that we are in a great season of the year to practice meeting the needs of other people. Right? So here's your action step for this well-timed holiday season. Action step is extend yourself to someone in need. Now, the beautiful part of the holiday season is we are all more willing to look out for the needs of others, right? Uh, Generally, we will all be wanting to serve or give back this year. Now, the hardest part about the holiday season is that we're all really overburdened with the things that we know that we need to do for ourselves, right? So when I'm asking you to extend yourself to someone in need, I know this is a really big ask. I'm also not asking you to take on every burden in the entire world, right? Look out and say, what can I do? What can I take on with someone, right? It could be as simple as if if someone is new to your neighborhood. If you have a neighbor that's recently moved in that you've not introduced yourself to, go meet them. Go say, this is who I am. If you need a cup of sugar, I'm here. You know, call on me if you need me. And that can be one way to help ease that burden of being new somewhere. Or you could join forces with a group of people. I mean, even in the Bible, Jesus didn't send people out alone, right? He, he grouped them together to go out and meet the needs of the community. So we have Pop-Up Pantry, right? In December, we'll have Adopt-A-Family where we come around families in need to give them a good Christmas experience. So grab your life group, grab your friends and neighbors, grab the person that you just met in the short greeting during the worship time and say, together, can we bear this burden and help out? Um, One last way is partner with Journey of Faith, right? When we give tons of opportunities for you to serve, step into those. Uh, Or we regularly are looking out to our community and saying, What do we do? How do we help? What impact can we make? And you can come alongside that with your time or with your giving and we together can meet the larger needs of this community. Now something else about flexing this service muscle is that to grow in your heart of service or to grow in your ability to help others, it should be something that feels hard, right? We don't just help others so that we feel good. We don't just help others when it's convenient or easy, but as you look around and say, God, what needs to be done? Listen to his direction and how you can share love and peace and hope into the world this holiday season. Now, as we wrap up this message and this entire series, Paul has one last thing that he wants to remind the believers as they consider serving one another. And that's this Remember the goal of the spiritual life. Now, in verse 11, this is what Paul writes to the Galatians. Notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words with my own handwriting, right? Some people think that Paul perhaps had bad vision, so he had to write really big and so people would recognize it was his, right? I like to believe that Paul, since he couldn't be with the people in the Galatian church right here, he is entering the letter. So that he can enter their lives and he's saying this is paul i gave my life so that you could find freedom in jesus i risk my well-being so that you could find freedom in jesus he is so desperate for them to see that and then he goes on to expose the religious leaders one more time and he tells them They're trying to control your behavior so that they can feel good about themselves. They're trying to get you to adopt their rituals so that they will be seen as good followers or they will not face their own judgment or persecution if you don't do it their way. It's about their own self-glory It's about their own self-gratitude. And Paul is saying that is not what God wants for us. That is not the way that we should frame our understanding of faith. And so Paul offers this as his motivation. As for me, may I never boast about anything except for the cross of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he's saying there's anything good in me, it's because of Jesus. And if there's anything good in you, it's because of Jesus. And if you see me be strong when things are hard, it's because of Jesus. And if I lose everything in this world, if I have nothing left, even my life, but I have Jesus, that's everything. That's what faith is about. Knowing who Jesus is and knowing what he has done for you. So he closes out the letter with this. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. He's saying it's not the rules It's not the ritual, it's not the outward behavior, it's none of those things. The goal of the spiritual life is that you would receive that love of God and it would make you new. You would be changed by that love and then you would bring others in to that transformation. That's it, right? So what I want you to do this week is think about how you are new. How are you different because all of your needs are met by Jesus. And then I want you to celebrate that area of your life that you are being transformed. Boast in what God is doing inside of you to make you new. Make you more like him. Now, when we are willing to share how God is working on us, it can have a very powerful impact on those we tell. A couple of months ago, I told you all about a very dear friend of mine who had received a scary diagnosis. Uh, And so now she is in the middle of treatment. And she is so brave, And she has a peace about her that feels palpable. You can tell she's at peace. And she's so focused on the goodness of God in this dark and scary time. And I hear people regularly say, I don't know how you do it. How are you getting through this? How are you so strong? And every time she says, it's because of God in me. I'm only this way because God is making it possible for me to be this way. Every fear I have, every insecurity I have, every worst case scenario that plays out in my mind, I take that right back to God, and he is showing up for me. And when I hear her share of how she is being sustained through this hard time, it is rocking my world. I, my trust is growing. My dependence on God is growing. My ability to find him in sad situations is growing because she's willing to share how God is making her new. So this week, would you ask somebody, can I share with you what God is doing in me? Or ask somebody, hey, how is God making you new? How is God making you capable of doing something you otherwise wouldn't be able to do? We can serve one another by sharing these stories and staying focused on the goal of the spiritual life. So here's what we've talked about today. We can freely serve one another when we stay humbly available to those who need you and remembering the goal of the spiritual life. So we're gonna close in prayer in just a few minutes, but before we do that, would you please stand here in this room, Also over at Torrance, go ahead and stand. Uh, If you want to talk to someone or pray with someone today, we have volunteers available down at the cross who are available to share your burden if you have one. Uh, I also want to make sure that you know about something we're excited about. Starting next week, we're gonna do a short series called Filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you have ever wondered who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do, this is the right series for you. So we hope that you will come back and you will find encouragement in how God fills us and makes us able to keep a simple and active faith. So we hope to see you there for that. And before we go, let's pray. God, thank you for making it so simple for us. Thank you for being so accessible to us because you come down to us. You don't make it complicated. You don't make us earn our way to you. We don't have to struggle to be right enough to earn your love and your favor, God. You're just willing to give it to us. And God, I pray that that we're blown away. We're blown away that you go to such great lengths to help us to help us know who you are, to provide for our every need. And God, I pray that we would be so compelled to simply focus our faith on you. Help us to see in others what you're doing in them and help us to share in their burdens and let us help one another follow you best. God, we love you. We're thankful for every good thing that you give to us. In your name I pray, amen. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. We'll see you next week.